Hello and welcome to the Founded and Grounded podcast. Every episode, we take the real world advice, experience and wisdom of an established entrepreneur and we share with you their learnings so that you can apply these to your own circumstances, whether this is in business or in life in general. So if that sounds good, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Andrew Parsonage. A very warm welcome to what is our penultimate show of series three. This is episode 16. And once again, we are recording online tonight. I should paint a picture for listeners here. So we do try and get together now and again and record in person. But we've done a few of these online recently. And we're doing this on a Tuesday night. And this is the Tuesday after a long weekend. So there's that slightly sort of after the party type feel. So we're going to try and rev ourselves up for this episode. And we've got a great guest tonight who's got loads of powerful thoughts and advice and someone who's going to bring a lot of energy to the next 40 minutes or so. So looking forward to this week's show. But before I do so, let me introduce my fellow presenters. First of all, introducing our community lead. She's got a finger on the pulse of what our audiences are saying and thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Samantha Miles. Hi, Andrew. Looking forward to joining you tonight. Excellent. Good evening to you, Sam. And then sitting somewhere slightly closer to me here in Bristol, a few blocks away, no doubt, is business startup guru and beacon to founders, inspiration to entrepreneurs across the globe, Mr. Ollie Collard. Good evening, Andrew. And uh, I've got to put my hands up because it's my fault we're recording on a Tuesday evening. Normally we record on a Friday and we're feeling very fresh, but uh, I am taking the day off for my birthdays. Yeah. And obviously Ollie got a very subtle plug in that it is his birthday in about uh, three nights, <laughs> three days time. So no doubt he'll be expecting stuff from us come Friday. I've got to say, Ollie, I'm, I, I don't know whenever I've been fresh on a Friday. I think pretty relaxed would be the word compared to a Monday. Anyway, this is what it's like. Listen, this is the rock and roll world and existence that is podcasting. So once again, welcome wherever you're listening to us. Hope you enjoy the next 40 minutes. And we do have quite an interesting, well, we also have interesting guests, but we've got a good one tonight. This is someone who's got actually got his own podcast, as well as being a regular speaker on the circuit. And he's based all of this on his interesting, fascinating, and very successful business story to date. So, Ollie, don't leave us in suspense any further. Please, would you reveal the identity of this episode's mystery guest? So, I caught up with Jeff Dewing, who is CEO and founder of Cloud FM. He's a great guy. He's got a book and podcast entitled Doing the Opposite. And I think a lot of his views on business come from that contrarian way of thinking and doing what seems naturally the right thing to do isn't always the right option. So, um, yeah, really interesting chat with lots of insights for our listeners this evening. Yeah, definitely. And just listening to your interview with Jeff. If you're a regular listener to Founded and Grounded, we do the, the origin story, the challenges. Uh, we have a lots of different things we try and tease out of our guest speaker. But tonight, my challenge will be to try and cram in as much of Jeff's wisdom and advice as possible. Because in conversation with Ollie, he came up with so many good nuggets of gold. So this is what Jeff had to say about how he came to be where he is today with Cloud FM. Basically, facilities management is a huge industry. It's £200 billion in the UK alone. And one in seven people in the UK population work in facilities management. It's sort wow. of a, a bit of an unknown fact. Um, and I've been in facilities management in various guises since I left school. And therefore, I've experienced you know, the cross-section of the entire industry from little niche parts of it to you know, the whole integrator of a facilities management organisation. And during my journey, I've obviously absorbed all the things that have gone on. And I noticed one common theme and that was the industry was full of great people behaving badly. 
the reason they were behaving badly wasn't a choice they made. It's the environment in which they're asked to work and to operate. So it, it resulted in people over-promising, under-delivering, and then trying to create the illusion that they were over-delivering, which they clearly wasn't. And going across the, the spectrum of working for smaller businesses, then large businesses, then corporate, and seeing that as you went up in size of organisation, the problem got materially worse. And it just drove me mad, which, which resulted in me being a, a natural disruptor. I always want to challenge the status quo. It's just been in my genes from the beginning. I then become a pain in the butt for everybody I work for. Um, <laughs> therefore, my longevity of employment was usually anything between two to four years before I was removed because I was a pain in the bum. And of course, all I was trying to do was, was to get people to face the music and, and, and sort of reflect on what they were doing and, and how we could change it. And it came to pass that it was obvious I was never going to be able to change it in these organisations. And the only way I could change it was to do it myself. And that was the reason that Cloud was started. And in terms of Cloud FM, obviously, this is your second business, but I know you started your first business back in the early 90s, which was a company called EAC, that you grew into a multi-million pound business and then uh, went through a massive journey and then ended up with that company becoming bankrupt. Can you talk to me a bit about the lessons that you learned along that, that first startup journey? Yes. When you're a young individual you're seeking work we all seek fulfillment happiness wealth and all the things that we think are important to us when we're young and usually this there's, there's a couple of reasons why people start a business when they're young it's usually because they believe that they can become wealthy very quickly or it's because they simply can't work for other people for one reason or another in both of those cases they're not a good enough reason to start a business and unfortunately, 90% of people that start businesses start them for those reasons. And I was no different. So when I started EAC, it was great. It was a, a, I started it because I started it with confidence. It was an industry that I knew. EAC standing for Essex Air Conditioning. And it was the installation of air conditioning equipment in offices and buildings and commercial environments. And it was great. And we grew it from our forecasted year of when we've done our forecast of launching a business. Our forecast for the first year was a very modest £110,000 turnover. But in the first year, we did nigh on a million. Um, wow. it, just, it just launched. And then over the next six years, it grew to five, six million pound, which in them days at, at sort of 30% margin was a healthy return. And therefore, we were living like kings, nice big houses, nice big cars, uh, and everything was great. But I couldn't get it beyond the five or six million. And I even tried employing much higher grade people, but I just couldn't find the people that were going to challenge me or take me further. And after a couple of years of trying that, I started to get very bored. It was very lonely at the top. Um, I had no one really to turn to. I had no mentors or coaches. And in them days, again, you, you didn't realise the need for a coach or a mentor. You just believed you knew it all and no one could teach you anything. After getting bored, I was then presented with the opportunity of getting involved with local football club, which was our St. Osith little village just outside Clacton-on-Sea. Uh, and they just said to me one day, do you want to sponsor some football shirts for us? It would cost you about 300 quid. And I said, yeah, why not? And before I knew it, I was going and watching this Saturday non-league football, very poor standard, but watching a spirit of people that was unbelievable. And, and I sort of got involved heavily. It then hit the press because they were becoming very successful. I was able to motivate players. I was not a manager. I didn't get involved in you know strategy and tactics and stuff. But I enabled the guys to feel good um, in terms of tracksuits, um, football kits, you know, fancy minibuses to go to away games and so on and so on. And after they suddenly started winning everything, I caught the eye of the main semi-professional club, which was Clacton Town. 
who approached me and said, would you sponsor us? And I said, no, mainly because they were all volunteers, builders and cleaners and whatever who loved the club and volunteered their time, but none of them were businessmen. The team was unsuccessful, hadn't been successful for 50 years. It was in debt. It couldn't really afford to pay its rates and various other bits and pieces. Um, and only survived because of the volunteering. So what I did was I said I'd buy the club. Um, I'd buy all the shares in the club, which I paid the square root of almost nothing for. But then I just brought in the the sort of environment and the and relationships that I had and the contacts within business. And um, we suddenly started advertising all around the ground. But my suppliers were supporting me for being you know kind. We went from a gate of about 30 people that used to pay to come and watch the game to about 600 literally overnight. Brought in some great players that were ex-professionals. And before we knew where we were, we were we were reaching the heights and it was becoming, um, we put Clacks on the map. And then we were being televised on Sky Sports, we was in the FA bars. And it was oh. it was a, a ride of joy that I can't explain. It just took over my life. I got completely consumed by it. And that resulted in me taking my eye off the ball with the company, which I'd left a few of my colleagues running. And in no time at all, to give you the short version, uh, some alarm bells went off at some point. I went into the business, said, what's wrong? They said, we're, we're struggling with cash. And when I reviewed it, I saw that it was in a, a terrible state that was probably unrecoverable, which was entirely my responsibility and my fault because I took me off the ball. And that's pretty much where the story ended with EAC. Coming back to when you started Cloud FM in 2012, what initial validation did you do in those early days? The validation was my career, what I experienced, and looking at it from various angles. And one of the things that I sort of made very clear in my book that I wrote last year was that you know, I was talking to people in the industry the entire time saying, what do you think about this? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? Is it okay? Is it me? And they all said, um, they said, no, we agree 100%, but what can we do about it? So apathy became the key element. People just got on with it because they didn't think they could make a difference. And therefore, they were going to work to earn a living and going home. And, and it was a chore. It was something that had to be done, whether you enjoyed it or not. So, and everybody I spoke to, bar none, had exactly the same view. And that's why I was frustrated by no one was attempting to do anything about it. It was just an accepted function. And another thing that I learned in, in my career and my journey was a simple fact, and that applies to whether it's you're a manager of staff or it's in your own family. What you ignore, you accept. So if you see stuff going on around you and you do nothing about it, it's just a message to the world that you accept that that's okay. And if you don't accept it, then you've got to do something about it. And, um, and at least one of the things that sort of becomes the bedrock of how you behave and what's important to you and the people around you. And just coming back to something you mentioned earlier about obviously being lonely at the top in your first business and not having any kind of peer support or other entrepreneurs to kind of feed off from and act as a sounding board. How have you changed that approach during building Cloud FM? So when I decided that I was going to take on this huge task of trying to change a £200 billion industry, I asked myself, what am I going to do differently this time? What, what, what's the secret ingredient? What's the silver bullet? And I realised it was two things, really. It was the ability to surround yourself with great people, particularly people that are better and more experienced than you in life, not about necessarily your business. And secondly, is to be totally vulnerable, to not pretend you know it all, and go to people and say, look, I've got this idea about A, B, C, D, and E. What do you think? 
and being prepared for the fact that they may say the complete opposite of what you want them to say, but you've got to listen. You've got to absolutely listen. You've got to absorb. And it's that ability to, and again, it's another famous saying I use all the time, first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And to do that, you have to do a lot more listening than you do talking. And once you can get to that stage and truly put your ego and your pride in your pocket and be vulnerable, that vulnerability means so many more people want to help you. And it's unbelievable. The impact is unbelievable. Moving on to the current business, Cloud FM, how do you see yourself? Is it a people business? Is it a facilities management business? Is it a tech business? Because I know you've been quite disrupted. You won the Queen's Award for Innovation. How do you view yourself? Any business is number one only ever about the people in the business, right? That is, a lot of people say it and they don't, they don't, you know, they'll talk the talk, they don't walk the talk. And when you truly behave like your people are your number one asset, that helps to breed a great culture. And the great culture stems from great values and living those values. And if you are in any organization, in any culture, where the general consensus is that every person in that organization wakes up every day and says, what can I do for you? And never, what's in it for me? You've got the makings of a great culture. So for me, it's absolutely all about people. If you don't get the people on the journey with you, then it's like pushing water uphill no matter what industry you're in. If people truly believe in your purpose and people truly believe in your values, then there is no mountain you can't climb. The problem is people sort of revert to type and revert to ease and, and, and take their eye off the most important things of culture and values because if you bring people in your organisation, the first biggest test that you've got to have, you can teach skills. You cannot teach attitude. You cannot teach culture. People will naturally find their own way. The key really is bring people into your organisation that truly believe what you believe. So it's about getting the focus right on, on the type of people you want in. But number one is people. And of course, to surround that, you've got to have two things for the right people. You have the right culture and you've got to have a purpose that's meaningful uh, and everyone's got to believe in it. Ollie, not for the first time on Founded and Grounded, we have an entrepreneur who is frustrated with the status quo and is not prepared to sit and do nothing about it. Yeah, and I love it when entrepreneurs just take things into their own hands and they're not satisfied with the status quo and they just want to disrupt an industry or a market and they see a vision for that and they just make it happen. Now, Jeff came up with a whole bunch of great one-liners and maxims in his conversation with you, and we've got plenty more to, to, to cover. But one of the early ones that struck me was when he said, what you ignore, you accept. Now, that, that seems like it could be taken straight from the matrix, that particular uh, phrase, but it's so true. It is really pertinent. I think what it's kind of saying is that if you do ignore things or bury your head in the sand or be oblivious, then you are accepting the situation of how it is. And even though that is a passive kind of decision that you agree with, I think you can really take something from Jeff's mindset about actually accepting if you're not happy with something, you've actually got to do something about it. And I think more people need to really take on this advice that Jeff has given. We talk about how Jeff got to where he is today and his philosophy and what he puts that success and that growth and where Cloud FM has reached down to. And Jeff consistently 
in this conversation and at this particular point brings it back to people. Now, we've all heard the mantra, people are at the heart of a good business. And I think lots of businesses say that, but I think Jeff goes slightly beyond that. The difference for Jeff is that the people who make the organization great are those who can absorb and take on and embrace the attitude and culture of the company. And again, another absolute nugget from Jeff, bring people on board who truly believe what you believe. Yeah, and I think ultimately skills can be taught. And I think if you're recruiting based on values and how people will fit into the company culture, then you're going to build a team of very like-minded people who believe in what you believe in. And then ultimately, you're going to be able to get to your vision a lot quicker. And that's not to say that you shouldn't have diversity. And I think diversity is really important. But actually assessing on values, I think, is a really key characteristic of hiring. Um, And that's why Jeff has built such a successful business. Now, a cynic might say, well, that's all blindingly obvious. You know, of course, you're going to hire people who believe what you believe. But then you must have seen in your experience organizations where people haven't made the right choices when it's come to their their workforce. Particularly if businesses are growing quite quickly and there's lots of pressure to recruit in a short time frame, then sometimes corners are cut and you end up hiring the wrong people. They stay in the business too long. And that causes growth to not accelerate as quickly as it would have done if you would have made the right hiring decisions and been a bit more patient. So I think sometimes hiring too quickly can be a key cause of bad recruitment. I also think that sometimes people know what to say in an interview situation. So it's about really challenging people and getting them to reveal their true self. But that means then your recruitment team, even if it's you, depending on how big your organisation is, you've got to be so on it in terms of knowing instinctively the sort of person you want in your organization and whether that person is for real or whether they're just bullshitting you? I think you need someone who's quite intuitive and is a good judge of character. And I think you'll come up with better hiring decisions with them being part of the interview process. Okay. Thanks, Ollie. Let's move on to the second part of your conversation with Jeff now. And if you're a regular listener to Founders and Grounded, you know that we like to get down and real and dirty and talk all about the challenges that that entrepreneur has faced on his or her way up to being where they are now. And in Jeff's case, and it's a word that we're going to hear again and again, the theme of vulnerability is absolutely key here, particularly as we talk about the impact of COVID. This is what Jeff had to say. Well, there, there's, there's numerous. I mean, running a business, there's there's a roller coaster exists in every business. Um, but if you can imagine the obvious, which is COVID, as an organisation, we were thriving, growing, doing extremely well, loving every minute of it. Um, and we found ourselves in the hospitality sector. And it's the one sector that most people are very bad at. So it, it created something that we were specialists in. And of course, we love the hospitality in the restaurant sector because everyone's always got to eat, right? It's a safe environment until the man upstairs decided to show us how it wasn't the safe sector and brought in COVID. And of course, every restaurant closed. So we were collecting 7 million quid a month in revenue from our clients. And then on the 20th of March, 2020, that revenue stream fell off a cliff and it went down to about 200,000. And I've got 400 mouths to feed. And it was obviously the biggest shock to the system. We'd never experienced anything like it in our lifetimes. I'm one of seven people on our exec board that run the organisation. Um, I'm quite a strong-willed, sort of overpowering character, for want of a better description, which is probably why I'm CEO. And I tend to sort of drive 
outcomes, ideas, um, and so on and so on. And I'll never forget the first emergency meeting we had when we realised our final client had closed their doors where we had no idea when they was going to reopen, that we came onto an emergency board meeting and the team said to me, right, Jeff, come on then, what are we, what are we going to do? And there was a long pause, and for the first time in my entire life, I said, I've got no idea. I've got no clue what to even discuss or talk about. I'm still in shock, and I really haven't got a clue. In fact, I'm losing sleep over the fact that I haven't got a clue. But for the first time, I showed a level of vulnerability I'd never shown before. And then an amazing thing happened. Over the next week and a half, two weeks, this was long before furlough had been announced, and none of us knew what was going to happen. My exec team stepped up 77 gears because they saw my vulnerability and they said, now's the time to help Jeff. And it wasn't something that was planned because I had no idea how it was going to work. Um, but for the first time, I was prepared to show my absolute vulnerability and, and, and not pretend anything. And as a result of that, we then realised the importance of having to communicate with our staff, bearing in mind everyone's now been sent home. How, and they were obviously all very anxious, very worried, got no idea if they have a job tomorrow or not, not to mention the fear of catching the disease itself. We therefore decided to communicate with our staff every week with a live video stream where we would tell them what we knew and we'd take questions. And then we encouraged every single one of our managers to speak to every one of their teams every single day. And then during a, an address of the business around about the 5th, 6th of April 2020, where we truly still didn't know what was going on. We truly, at that point, still had no idea about furlough. I addressed the business and I, we'd scripted out what we were going to say. And it was all about pure honesty and transparency. We were, not, we were not spinning anything at all. I addressed the business with 400 people online and said, this is what we know. Our clients have done A, B, C, D and E. This is what we don't know. We've got no idea about how redundancies are going to apply, if at all. We've got to wait to see what the government say. The only thing we can all do at this moment in time is to look out for each other and look after each other and speak to each other every single day. We must have no fear of asking any questions uh, to anybody in this organisation. And as I was speaking, I was welling. I was welling up. It was killing me. And it was killing me because I was suddenly feeling the fear of them. But at the same time, I had the fear of my own position. Because it was real and it was authentic and it really, really did hit me hard like a train... Suddenly I was getting 300 messages pinging up on Zoom saying, we're behind you, Jeff, we're with you, Jeff, yeah, we'll support you, Jeff, with this, with that. what can we do for you? What can... And we're back to, again, the power of vulnerability. It's a super strength, right? It is an incredible, incredibly powerful thing when used authentically because when you are vulnerable and you show your vulnerability, you will get 500 times more help and support than when you try and puff your chest out and pretend everything's okay. How did you come through the rest of the two years of COVID then? So uh, what we did, like most businesses did, we, we tried to make some changes. We had a certain amount of capital in the bank that, was, that we worked out how long that would last in the absence of any revenue. We then also second-guessed furlough was going to happen. So that enabled us to start planning. And all we did was we said to everybody, because furlough typically paid 80% of people's salary, what we said was everybody in the organisation is going to reduce their salary by 20% um, while we get through these challenging times. So we all took that hit. In came furlough, which created a bit of stability. 
that meant that we had longevity so people didn't have to worry for the next three or four or five months whilst we were getting through COVID. So that created some certainty, which everybody needed. Not to mention, if you recall, the weather was fantastic from May through to July in that first year. So people were enjoying quality time with the family and the garden with the kids and so on and so on. So there was an element of respite while we all got used to being uncomfortable. And then suddenly you just start to adapt. You know, we were talking to our clients who weren't paying us any money. And we said, um, can we agree something? You know, we've got an entire supply chain. You haven't paid us, so we haven't paid them. And everyone's panicking. Can we not agree a principle of little and often? So even though you're not going to be paying us your debt, which is huge, you can pay us small amounts of small chunks within your cash availability, which we can then firm out to our supply chain so at least we've got a drip feed going on it creates an element of trust and so on which they all agreed to do you know we established an incredible relationship where we truly support each other so that's what got us through covid and then of course we didn't focus on surviving we focused on thriving Uh, and once you got over the initial shock you know we went through a set of emotions didn't we everybody did you know the first thing was the shock of oh my god what's going to happen then there's the fear how we're going to survive then you've sort of got the acknowledgement okay we are where we are and then you sort of move into survival or thrive. And we selected thrive. How do we really use this opportunity to think totally differently and do stuff totally differently? And we had seven offices that were beautifully fitted out offices with typical desk environments and great big screens everywhere. They all looked like NASA. But of course, everybody was working from home. And we found this incredible outcome where people suddenly became very very fulfilled you didn't have arguments between the husband and wives of who was going to take the kids to school that day or who was going to pick them up and um, i've got to go to work my job's more important than yours and all the things that go on in a typical household where suddenly these people had the freedom to actually take the kids to school before they even switch their computer on and suddenly life became easier so we closed five of our seven offices and the two we had remaining we refitted them as collaboration buildings which have all now got settees and um, and plants and all the stuff you'd expect to see at home where we only go to the office to collaborate to create to solve problems and have fun we do not go there to transact that's done at home it's been an incredible outcome and the culture has elevated beyond any of our wildest dreams so um, covid if you want to look at the positives of it take away the, the pains that people have suffered the positives are it enabled us to really understand what what is the meaning of life how do we truly become our best selves how do we truly become the most fulfilled we can become and that is give freedom and if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life so Ollie, it's amazing to think that we've been doing this show now well we've been doing it a since the autumn of 2019 but also for the large part of this show we've actually recorded it through the time of pandemic and of covid so a lot of our businesses that we've been speaking to have touched upon this theme in various different ways. And we've seen how COVID can have varying impacts in the business for better or for worse. Now, the interesting point here, and I suppose the most powerful image that was left from this part of your conversation with Jeff, was about vulnerabilities, I said in my queue to, to this section. And actually how Jeff probably achieved more by being vulnerable, so to speak, or saying to his people, I don't have all the ideas or I simply don't know. And that was almost the invitation for his people to come up with the ideas, come up with the energy that saw Cloud FM through and saw it through successfully. I think this is really powerful. Even a chap like Jeff, who's launched several successful businesses and by his own admission is very confident 
has actually put his hands up and gone, listen, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. They didn't know about, obviously, the furlough scheme coming to fruition. He was obviously worried for his business, but also all of his employees. And I think by being open and honest and actually facilitating a dialogue with all of his employees, that's come up with new ideas, new concepts. It's brought people closer together and has actually added to the culture of the company. So I think you can really take some positives from a very bad situation where most of their revenue completely got wiped off a cliff edge. I guess in the, the DNA of a CEO or of a leader, of a business leader, the role requires a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of you've got to really back yourself. That almost seems to contradict what Jeff's saying here. So I'm guessing you need a little bit of both. You need to obviously back yourself, but also you need to know when to put your hands up and say, I don't know. And that's, I'm guessing, is quite a tough skill to master. I think it is. And I think good leadership comes down to very good decision making. And even if you're not 100% on a decision, even if you're 51%, I think if you can come to a decision and justify it in your head, follow through on that decision with confidence then people are going to respect that so i think good leaders are ones that make confident decisions but those who are also self-aware about their own strengths and weaknesses and are open to feedback and welcome open conversations and criticisms from all of their key stakeholders and i think that's what jeff has shown here sam just want to turn to you at this point in your opinion do you think covid has actually enabled people and business to be the best versions of themselves? I think it's been a really unique experience that's enabled a lot of businesses to see how they can quickly adapt and view things from a different perspective. So it was sort of enforcing people to to consider different options, to think in a very different way, to be quite proactive and flexible and look at new innovative ways of working and really see how fast they can adapt. And I think that's a skill that all businesses need and actually having that strength to know how fast businesses can adapt and be flexible is a really positive strength for a lot of people. Okay, so I've got a question here for both of you and I want honest answers. Do you think COVID or the last two years has made you a better business person in your respective lines of work? I definitely think so because it's meant that everyone, every business leader, every founder has to pivot to the situation of all of that uncertainty and nobody knowing what the right answer is or what's going to happen in the future. So I think it's enabled everyone to think on their feet. I think it's leveled the playing field. I think it's given everyone time to be quite self-reflective about their qualities. Also given you time to think about what you really value, given you time to think about the future that you want to build. So I'd say, yeah, 100%, Andrew. Yeah. What about you, Sam? So I actually think that I took a, an interesting takeaway from from the situation. I found that the one thing it really made me reflect on was actually the work-life balance and the boundaries and how you get that balance. It sort of enforced that a lot in the early stages, it made me reflect on a lot of it. And actually, because of that, as much as you hear that you need these boundaries and once you set these boundaries in your you've got that work-life balance and you're being productive with your time, your business will grow and you hear it and it's all good and well, but it's only when you really start to put that into place and you really understand it on a personal level that you see it reflected. And I was actually really surprised at the difference it made. And now 
I definitely wouldn't go back in those boundaries and having that work-life balance is really important and it has allowed my business to grow. Thank you both. Really interesting stuff. Let's move on now to the final part of the conversation with this week's guest, Jeff Dewing of Cloud FM. As ever, we have one absolute golden nugget of wisdom for you, our listeners. There's also a question for you to respond to. But first, Ollie was keen to hear from Jeff about what the future has in store for Cloud FM. Yes, we've got real clear visions of where the business is going to be in our strategy for 2025, funnily enough, which is only three years away. So we will grow to at least a £250 million organisation by 2025. We've gone through a transformation that we always plan to do from the day we launched the business, and and we call ourselves a tech-enabled facilities management company, which basically means that we don't make facilities management better because we've got better technology. Technology is an enabler. It's not a solutioner. Um, And our tech that we build, designed and built ourselves, was designed predominantly to influence behaviour. We've always been leap years ahead of our competition in how we use tech. We now have moved into how do we go another material leap? And you can't just twiddle knobs with technology and adjust things and adjust things, but twiddling knobs doesn't excite anybody. How do you do material leaps? So we started developing and designing IoT solutions and, and AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning. So we made the early conscious decision two and a half years ago to partner with Essex University and some of the most incredible PhD students and professors that we'd ever come across who didn't understand about boundaries. They didn't understand about (laughs) barriers. They just smashed them down. And we said, we had a magic wand. This is what we want to do. And then within a few days, they would come and explain to us how we can achieve that, which was just ridiculous. So anyway, we've been developing our own machine learning, AI technology, our own IoT, Internet of Things. We build our own gateways. We build our own sensors we build everything ourselves all been helped to be designed and painted by by our ktp arrangement and we've now developed something that no one has in the market which means that we can actually begin now predicting the failure of any asset weeks before it fails so to give an example if you imagine a dishwasher in a in an arse restaurant or pizza express or somewhere like that if a dishwasher goes down none of the staff want to wash dishes and, and more importantly they need to be out on the shop floor looking after their customers right so that becomes massively disruptive. Forget the cost of repairing it. It's the cost of it not working. The inconvenience is off the scale. And if they lose their pizza oven, they can't cook pizzas, they have to shut the restaurant. The impact is massive. So we've developed this technology that without putting sensors on the actual ovens themselves, we can actually sense just from the main incoming mains how every asset is performing within that, within that building. And after a period of four to six weeks, it then moves into what we call predictive mode, where we can tell you the oven is going to fail in two and a half weeks' time, which is game-changing, because it's not only about the cost-saving of being able to fix it before it breaks, it's the ability to keep a restaurant at full capacity all of the time, which has a massive impact on revenue, but also has a massive impact on, on brand equity. Because if you know the last thing you want to do as a brand, ask ZZ Pizza, is have a party books for a 40th birthday 20 people turn up and you've had to close the restaurant because the pizza oven's not working the brain damage is huge so it addresses so many things so we've been working on the r&d for the last two and a half years doing loads of trials everywhere um, and it's about to explode but more importantly it's about to explode globally the interest we've got globally is off the scale so 
we've been holding the traps closed, if you like, until we're ready. But we're just about to lift the traps, and uh, it's going to be that's going to be a roller coaster. We started off as a tech-enabled facilities management business to change and improve a facilities management industry. We weren't there to be the biggest. We were there to show everybody in the industry how to behave differently and become far more sustainable and offer greater value to the client. When everybody copies us, that's when we declare victory, right? The most people say, what happens when people catch you up? Aren't you scared? No, that's when we declare victory. But at the same time, while people are trying to catch us up, which is great, we're then saying, well, what's the next 10 years look like? So by the time they've caught us, we're then saying, well, now you need to be doing this. But what's interesting is this technology takes us way, way, way beyond facilities management. Mm. So therefore, you can have a bigger impact. So where our purpose has always been to restore trust in a failing industry by changing the rules in FM, it's now, how do we save the planet? The, the purpose has grown 500-fold because this technology isn't just about prediction. It's about how we control and how we influence the reduction, huge reduction in energy consumption. Until you've got the population caring about the planet, which they do, and once you give them the tools to affect the planet, they will do it. So when you bring the population on the journey, things will change very, very quickly. So, yeah, it's going to be way, way bigger than facilities management. Exciting times ahead, Jeff. Um, and I'm actually very excited now to ask you one of the key parts of the Founded and Grounded podcast, which is what one piece of advice would you pass on to somebody thinking of starting a business? You need to ask yourself one material question. Why? Why are you starting a business? If it's... To become wealthy, I would suggest you don't start a business. If it is to overcome the fact that you can't stand working for your boss, wrong reason to start a business. If you have a passion to materially improve something or enrich people's lives, that is a reason to start a business. And if you want to know how resilient you are and how likely you are to succeed... Your passion will dictate what barriers you face. And if your passion is that intense, you will never ever face a barrier. You're just, you, don't even see, you don't see the mountain, you only see the summit. You know, if you do what you don't love, that's stress. If you do what you love, that's passion. And if people say, I don't really want to write a business plan because that seems like really tough, then you shouldn't be starting a business. You're not passionate enough. So you'll test your passion during the journey of preparing a business. Assuming you've ticked those boxes, the next most important thing, without any shadow of a doubt, is how do you surround yourself with great people? Now, that doesn't mean you've got to bring in some big hitters, uh, chief exec of British Gas and stuff like that, and pay them a fortune you can't afford. This is about simply networking, speaking to people, showing your vulnerability. If someone phones me up now or contacts me via LinkedIn, or listens to my podcast and wants to email me or contact me and said, I'd love an hour of your time, Jeff. Can you have an hour of your time? The answer is inevitably always yes, because they are asking for some help. And why would you not help someone that wants help? So, you know, my time in that regard is free. It costs no money, because if, it, if someone cares enough to learn from somebody else, then they, des you know, they deserve your time. And where can people find out a bit more about Cloud FM and find you personally? As you heard me mention a couple of times before, I wrote a book last year called Doing the Opposite. 
it's my story. It's not a business book on on how to start businesses. It's not any form of a document that says this is the way to do stuff. It's just simply my story and the ups and downs that, that went on. And that can be found on Amazon. It's Jeff Dewing doing the opposite. Cloud FM um, is an organisation that looks after facilities management, as I said before. We can be seen at cloudfmgroup.com. Um, and if you're interested in my podcast, which is also doing the opposite, Business Disruptors, that can be found at podcast.cloudfmgroup.com. Uh, and some of my guests include people like um, Graham Gooch, OBE, the cricketer. It's um, Sir Clive Woodward, the guy that won the World Cup for rugby back in 2003. And it's all about their incredible stories. They're only 20 minutes long, but um, it gives you a real insight into, again, how business leaders have, have changed the game. Jeff, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Well, Ollie, listening to what Jeff had to say there, it's clear that he is taking facilities management way beyond convention. I think the future of Cloud FM is looking really bright. Given their investment in technological innovation, they've obviously partnered with a higher education institution to do what's known as a knowledge transfer partnership. This is whereby a postgraduate works together with a researcher from the university with a business and works on technological R&D or innovation. I think that investment is going to definitely pay dividends in the future. It's interesting that Jeff sees the potential for this industry and its ability to be a positive force when it comes to environmental issues as well. Yeah, I think in terms of building management, there's so much that can be done in terms of making them more efficient, making them greener. And I think by using technology and embedding that in building maintenance, they can increase efficiencies, ensure there's less wastage in terms of food production. There's literally endless opportunities to increase the bottom line, but also do better for the planet. Mm, Indeed. Right, let's move on then to Jeff's one piece of advice for this episode. And it was a simple one word piece of advice, which was simply the word or simply the question, why? Now, Jeff came up with an absolute series of perlers in terms of just to back up that. And I'll just try and quote him word for word as as accurately as I can. So he said, basically, if your passion is intense, you'll never face barriers. If you do what you don't love, that's stress. If you do what you love, that's passion. Ollie, do you think the word passion is overused because you obviously get it from Jeff in terms of how he comes across, but do you think passion is a word that's overused in in the world of business? Yeah, passion or pivot during COVID, (laughs) I think, are two of the most overused words. Genuinely, you can hear the passion coming through in Jeff's voice when he's talking about the business and all of the people that he supports through his company in terms of employment. And I think given facilities management is such a large employer in the UK I think he's genuinely passionate about people and giving them opportunities to progress their careers that's what gets him out of bed in the morning and then just one more question before we move on to the next part of our episode how do you surround yourself with great people Ollie because it's easier said than done how on earth do you begin to do that well I think it's about people adding value to your life whether that's you know business or life in general I think if people aren't giving value back to a relationship and it's more energy sucking rather than you know idea generation and giving you food for thought then you've got to potentially question those relationships so I think part one is looking at your current relationships and then it's thinking about 
who are the types of people that you can learn from? Who's somebody that's two or three steps ahead of you? Who's someone who's got a particular niche with a very specialized skill that can help you grow your network, grow your business, grow you as a person? Those are the types of people that you want to foster and facilitate and cultivate relationships with. Going out there, we talked about many times on this show about going out there, networking, putting yourself out there, but also being open to opportunities. And I think if you're doing those things, luck will happen. And the more you put yourself out there, the less luck it is and the more it's meant to be. podcast where we reflect on what you our community our audience was saying about the question raised in our last episode episode 15 so if you heard that that was a company called sweet who make plant-based drinks containers samantha could you remind us of the question that sweet had for us of course they wanted to know what we would like to see next from them so the options we had were new colours, new sizes and new products. And unsurprisingly, it was 67% of folks who would like to see new products, which I think is often the case. We like to see new and exciting things, especially from innovative businesses like Sweet. Excellent. Any suggestions as the sort of products that they might be able to apply their plant-based expertise to? So I think uh, based from the comments that we received, actually, it was interesting that a lot of people already thought they only did straws. So they've already branched out a lot more than some people thought. A lot of people were just really interested to see what other products can be made from reusable materials. It's such a new and innovative area. Really, the options are endless. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of ideas they can come up with that are going to be really useful, innovative options for reusable materials because they're already off to a fantastic start. Yeah, they've, they've definitely started something here. Right. Thank you for that, uh, Sam. Let's then look at this episode's question. So this is what our guest, Jeff Dewing, wants to know from you this week. If you're thinking about starting a business or you want to start a business, one of the most powerful questions that I alluded to earlier is why? Why do you want to start a business? You'll find that in trying to answer that question, which isn't always as easy as you think it is, in trying to answer that question, it enables you to go deep on your reasoning behind starting that business. The most powerful question of all time is why? Okie doke. So there it is. There's Jeff's question for you. And uh, Samantha, once again, could you remind us of how people can get in touch with the programme? Yep, you'll find us on all the main social media channels. So we are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So let us know your thoughts on your favourite platform. Thank you once again to our guest this week, of course, Jeff Dewing of Cloud FM. And uh, Ollie, it's probably worth just putting in a quick plug for his podcast. And we, we do occasionally plug rival podcasts. And I don't mind doing this in Jeff's case. So just tell us a little bit about uh, what Jeff does. So Jeff's podcast is called Doing the Opposite, Business Disruptors, and he speaks to leaders in their field about how they disrupted their industry. And he's interviewed some amazing guests from Alan Brazil through to Sir Clive Woodward. So go and check it out. Excellent stuff. So once again, thank you very much indeed to Jeff for being this week's guest and being such an inspiring entrepreneur for this our penultimate episode of the series. Ollie, who have we got for our very final instalment of Series 3? 
So I'm delighted to reveal that I sat down with Sarah Bolt, who is founder and CEO of a company called Forth, who are in the healthcare industry. So that's episode 17. I'll be with you very shortly. But for now, we're done. Thank you very much indeed to you, Samantha and Ollie. Very lucid for a Tuesday night. Thank you for another great episode. And I'm looking forward to joining for our finale. Thank you, Andrew. And in football, there's a saying, could you do it away at Stoke on a cold and wet, rainy night? Maybe some similarities with this evening. Yeah, we've absolutely nailed it. So thank you, Richard, both of you. And also applaud you, our listeners, for spending 40 minutes or so of your week with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if you've enjoyed this episode, then please feel free to check out all our episodes to date, both in this series and in series one and two. Loads of uh, wonderful case studies in the mix from a wide range of quirky businesses. And please also do tell your friends, colleagues, family members, children, loved ones, pets about Founding and Grounded and share the love. We'd be very grateful for that. But for the time being, it's a wrap. You have been listening to Founding and Grounded with myself, Andrew Parsonage, featuring the voice talents and business acumen of Mr. Ollie Collard and Samantha Miles. All of us will be back for episode 17 in a few weeks' time. For now, though, please take care, look out for each other, keep smiling and join us again soon for some more entrepreneurial wisdom. For now, though, it's cheerio. <laughs>